you know, I've always understood that business is built between your ears. It's a mental game. It's a uh, fear of loss. It's a uh, desire to gain. But what if I don't? What if I do? What could I lose? And there's no business in, in the world where that's more true than building a network marketing team. It's a mindset game. It's a game of personal motivation and how to inspire yourself. A positive weekly flow of income generating activities on your part every day. Those activities create a weekly rhythm. That kind of flow, that kind of rhythm leads you down the road to success. That's what we're going to be talking about on this week's podcast. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's podcast, The Emotional Flow of Business and Life, Creating Your Rhythm. Uh, My name's Dale Calvert. I appreciate you being with us today. Before we get into this session, I just wanted to take a few minutes and give respect to Dr. Miles Monroe. It's actually the anniversary week of his death. Uh, Dr. Monroe died in a plane crash uh, six years ago, November 9th of 2014. Uh, He's one of the featured speakers that we have over at Pure Motivation. If you're not familiar with his work, uh, you should be. The direct link, I'll give you that. Let me see. It's www.puremotivation.com. DR for doctor. DR, no period. Just DR Miles Monroe. And I think you're going to love what you see and hear from him. He's a fabulous, fabulous teacher, communicator. My favorite Dr. Monroe quote is, the greatest tragedy of life is not death, but a life without purpose. Powerful. So anyway, this week, I'm sure this podcast is going to be a TMI session, too much information. Uh, One thing people can never accuse me of is not being authentic and transparent. Uh, It's my hope that this session will help others really examine themselves, the life events that they've had, how they've reacted to those life events, take a look at their personal mental programming that was created by the time they were 12 years old, based upon their authority figures, their parents, the environment in which they were raised, really thinking about that. Uh, And really, for those that maybe the train's gone off the track at some point in your life, why? How did it get off track? How do you get it back on track? 
you know, I think about so many people I've met over the years and so many have stories of something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Many times a divorce or something happened and they live that hor- horrific, tragic event over and over every day of their life for the rest of their life. And that's a sad, sad state. It's a sad mindset to be in. And there's others that are, that are still having issues with problems and challenges of the past. Maybe they don't express them verbally, but they're there in their own mind, in their own heart, reminding them uh, constantly on a daily basis. So until we can get past it, get through it, work through it, uh, get on track, get in a rhythm, uh, we're never going to, to live the life that we deserve to live. So, you know, I understand that at this time in history, in the United States, uh, there are people like myself who are just beyond shell-shocked, beyond shell-shocked. And there's others who are dancing in the streets after the presidential election here in the United States. And if you're one of those that are dancing in the streets, uh, respect, respect to you, but save yourself some some time and don't listen to this podcast uh, it's going to have no value for you, and it's probably going to only anger you, which is definitely not my intentions. And honestly, I don't need the hate mail. I don't need the hate emails. So just turn it off. There's other people that will celebrate with you and tell you what you want to hear. Uh, for those of you that have sent me emails uh, this past week asking me why last week my podcast became political, I mean, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or what to really think about that. I'm really sincerely sorry that that's what you got from it or that's what you, that's that's the way you took it. Uh, I was trying to make a, a deeper points. I feel like I was anyway. Obviously, for a lot of you, didn't do a very good job. Uh, you know, and for those of you who said, Dale, you're going to run off customers. You know, you're going to have people that won't buy your local MLMleads.com program because or they're not going to become training club members or you you know it, you're going to hurt your business you're going to hurt your sales of your training systems and programs and I, I can just tell you guys look for me uh, network marketing support services uh, building that and selling training programs is so far off my radar I mean, so far off my radar. I mean, you know, 90 days, 120 days ago, I was looking at liquidating all of it. Uh, and it's so far off my radar, I don't know if it'll ever pop back on. I mean, I don't need to make a living selling training programs. I do it because I feel like I, well, I know that I have value that I can bring to people. And, you know, our programming Your Mind for Success program uh, if there was one training program a person could ever take their entire life, that would be it. That would be it. Programmingyourmind.com. That that would be it. I mean, the value that that's brought to people, the people that are now in a rhythm generating leads and understand how to generate leads that wouldn't have ever learned and mastered those skill sets if it hadn't been for the local MLM leads program. I mean, I could go on and on and on. You know, I don't, I don't believe in foo-foo dust. Uh, I stand by our, our products and, and I, I've never really promoted them hard because 
we've always had a steady flow of customers, and I think one of the reasons is because I I I don't pull any punches, and I don't you know I don't give you the latest greatest foo foo dust that's going to make you you know a hundred thousand dollars in six months in your network marketing business, and I don't tell you all the stuff that everybody else tells you. You have to have a blog so you can be perceived to be a network marketing professional, and all the other stuff that's been going on through this industry for the last fifteen twenty years. I don't participate in that. You know, I just don't. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the concern, but it's just not on my radar. You know, it's really hard for to knock me out of my life and business rhythm. I mean, honestly, uh, I've been in a rhythm for so long that I didn't think I would ever get knocked off again, honestly. And I, I'm very serious about controlling my self-talk. I control my time, and I do my best to control my emotions. And when the people and the circumstances that come into my life and attempt to steal my joy or my peace of mind and focus, uh, I don't stay in those circumstances very long, and those people don't stay in my life very long. And that's just the way I have to personally operate. I mean, I'm willing to be confrontational. I'm willing to defend my actions and my thoughts and my beliefs, as many of you have heard, you know, in session what was 199, where uh, the podcast on poaching distributors and, you know, what a radical uh philosophy that has been propagated throughout the network marketing profession, you know, and I talk strong about it in session 199. And personally, you know, I'm the type of person, I know many of you can relate to this, I must speak my beliefs on the outside, verbally, in public. I must speak my beliefs in order and in an attempt to maintain some type of internal peace and focus on the inside. So I have to communicate. And and honestly, this podcast is probably more for me than it is you. I sincerely hope that you get something from this session, but I need to get this out, if that makes sense. So, you know, this path for me and this understanding, this self-awareness started for me years ago. And I never really, from the time I was a kid, worried too much about what other people were thinking. I was always fascinated why people seemed to be. Uh, but you know, when I just settled, I don't give a flying flip about what other people think about me. It changed it and, and just got that in concrete solidified in my heart and my mind. Uh, that I don't care if a thousand people say a stupid thing and everybody thinks they're a genius and correct. If it's stupid, it's still stupid. And I don't care if a thousand people are saying it. I don't. Truth is truth. Wisdom is wisdom. Wisdom of the ages is wisdom of the ages. And to violate that makes no sense to me. So, uh, you know, I decided years ago that I'm going to continue to treat all people with love and respect and give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I haven't walked in their shoes. Give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove to me that they're not somebody that deserves that type of personal investment from me. 
And that's what I really tried to do. It, and it's, it's not easy for me. It's very difficult because it's like, how do they not know better? And then I think, okay, well, you don't know how they don't know better, but it's common sense. But Dale, common sense isn't common any, anymore. What used to be common sense is not common sense anymore. And you haven't walked in their shoes. You don't know the programming they grew up with, you know, and, and perhaps they're just a moron. And, but if they are, then you'll, you'll understand that soon enough and then you can be on your way and you don't have to worry about it. But until they prove that they're a moron, uh, then you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's the way I have to operate personally for me to function in the world in which we live. So these mindsets, for me, these in cement decisions, not getting up, giving a flying flip what somebody else thinks, they've been through the fire and they've been developed over many years, they've endured many heartaches in life, uh, as we all go through. And my personal challenges and, and disappointments are not greater, are that much different than what all of us have to go through. It's just life. And I understand that we all look at life through our own colored glasses. And for some things, that are important to me are not important to other people and vice versa. We all have different needs, desires, understandings, interests. So we look at everything in life. We're looking at it through our, our own glasses. So when we think about loss, we all look at loss different. Our personal challenges, all of us, uh, all of us handle and deal with personal challenges differently. The way we look at people is different. Uh, the way we look at animals or plants or sports teams or any other life event, and the list goes on and on and on. It's all different based upon who we are because we see things not as they are, but as we are. And the older I get, the more I understand that statement. We see things not as they are. We see things through our own eyes, through our own pair, our own colored glasses. We see things as we are. And there's a lot of things that play into that, you know, how we look at the world. Uh, the amount of responsibility that we're willing to accept, not just for ourselves, but also for other people, plays a major role. I mean, if someone's not willing to take any responsibility, uh, they can live that way for a while until they end up dead or in jail if they have they have no responsibility uh the program perceptions that we were raised with determines how we look at the world our i q our intelligence our personal education and our formal education a formal education has ruined more entrepreneurs and good people than probably anything. I mean, the, if you want to learn how to be an entrepreneur, you're going to learn from a mentor, not a professor. Uh, but anyway, personal education, emotional intelligence, EQ, which is even probably the most, one of the most important factors in how we look at the world. 
you know, our own personal self-awareness, being aware of our self-talk, how simplistic we look at our time here on this earth. And that's a real important one. It's something I've really been thinking about a lot uh, because the, the the more simple you can look at your time on this earth, I think the better off all of us are going to be. Uh, our birth order, are we the oldest child, middle child, youngest child? That determines how we look at things and feel about things. Our dominant phase, are you a dominant parent? Are you a dominant child? Are you a dominant adult? We've talked about all this those of you that have gone through the program in your mind for success program, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, then our just basic personality types. Some people identify those with colors. Some use psychological terms, but our personality types and then a whole lot of other psychological factors. You know, I was doing some research on a project, another project, and I ran across an interview with Donna Douglas, uh, Donna played the character Ellie Mae on the Beverly Hillbillies. Some of you are old as I am. You you remember that TV show. It's probably still on somewhere, the Beverly Hillbillies. But she was talking about how as she got older, she had simplified her life and was just relying daily on her faith and her spiritual guidance. And in her own way, I guess what she had really learned to do was how not to sweat the small stuff. And to just live a very simple but very fulfilling life. And I I saw that interview. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, I sincerely believe that this is the best way we can go through life, especially if you're a believer. I mean, we all have drama queens in our life. And network marketing in the world seems to be full of people that have victim mentalities. They think everybody's out to get them. Everybody's trying to take advantage of them. They feel they need to share every problem they've ever had with everyone that they ever know. They have to share every problem that they have on a daily basis. And most of the time, it's like, it's like, it's like, deal with it. It's life. Deal with it. Why do you feel the need to tell me about it? I don't need to know. There's nothing I can help you. You got to learn to deal with it. It's not good to just dwell on your problems all the time. Uh, they tend to think that the world kind of revolves around them, their needs, their emotions, and they stay in a constant state many times of complaining. And network marketers love to complain about their upline, their company, the fact that they don't have any time to do the business, their family doesn't support them, and anything they can come up with outside of their control in an attempt to never have to take personal responsibility for their lack of growth. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And we did a whole podcast on this. Michael Penland and I, uh, in, in this, in MOM Success called, uh, those that make, well, I don't know. So I think it was those who make excuses don't make money. Those that make money don't make excuses or something like that. But that's just a law. That's just a law. If you're having trouble making making money, the odds are you have no trouble making excuses. Think about that. You know, they tend to, to live a life with the motto, uh, if first I don't succeed, then fix the blame quick. And it, it some people feel... Um, a deep sense 
of responsibility uh, to help people like that. You know, I, like many people, attempt to just kind of go through life to the very best of my ability, just having simple, well-thought-out, well-planned days where not one minute of time is wasted. Uh, I just try to rely on spiritual guidance and the divine plan and to never get too up or too down at any one moment in time. And I can tell you this year, for a lot of us, it's been like, that's been very difficult. It's like, what in the world? Has everybody gone crazy? It's kind of, a lot of us have had that feeling, I know, this year. And again, I try to not get too up, too down. Understand there's a divine plan for the world, for my life, to reply on just rely on spiritual guidance, uh, living as simplistic life as possible. However, for many, that 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 t- mindset, while people may agree with it, it's much easier said than done. I mean, because we all have responsibilities and bills and this and that and kids and and all of this stuff going on. So many people feel trapped in unfulfilling dead end jobs. And many believe that they have unfulfilled personal potential that's locked inside of them. And really, those are the type of reasons that attract the right people to network marketing to start with. People that want to make a positive impact. They feel like they have some potential, some leadership abilities. They can become more, be more, do more. Uh, they feel stuck in dead-end jobs and so on and so forth. Those are the right kind of people. And that's why getting to a point and creating financial independence as soon as you possibly can, what that does is it allows intelligent people to live a more peaceful life, like Donna Douglas. you know. And she kind of lived in that mode for years until she passed away at 81. Hard to believe. Hard to believe that she is was 81. Ellie Mae was 81 years old. Hard to believe. But anyway, you know, the challenge is once you achieve financial independence and peace of mind, and I I certainly fell in this trap, uh, many people start complicating their life with more and more stuff, which creates more and more responsibilities. And some of us, you know, we just have that entrepreneurial ADD. But at, at this point, for me, uh, what I'm trying to do, I'm just trying under everything that's gone on here lately, uh, I'm just trying to do my best, you know, the best that I can do for myself and the ones that count on me. And I can tell you, I didn't feel like doing this podcast at all this week, uh, but I didn't want to miss it. And not missing a week of this podcast is probably a pride thing for me. And I know it means more to me than anybody that listens on a regular basis. And I understand that. But, you know, based upon everything that's happened, I mean, I'm daily counseling myself and coaching myself like I would a friend or a client. I mean, I 100% understand what's going on with Dale and the emotions and the magnitude and the effect it's having on me 
and I know that it's real, but it was so unexpected. You know, after this election and Don's dad passing, I mean, I, it was the last thing. I, I just wasn't expected to get knocked off the track like this. You know, I wasn't expecting my father-in-law to pass away. And, you know, the need to deal with those emotional effects and the effects it had on me, and especially on Dawn, my wife. And so please continue to remember her and our family and your thoughts and prayers. You know, the last thing in the world I was expecting uh, was to face the fact that we live in a world where Joe Biden could be elected president of the United States. I mean, it still blows my mind. And really, the truth is, I don't believe we live in a world where that could happen. So how did it happen? How did it happen? I mean, that's really the question. How can states have more votes cast than they have registered voters in those states? And, And again, there's a whole slew of other concerns, but it's like, should I care? Do I care? I mean, Dale, it is what it is. Was it worth my thought and attention? Is it worth my thought and attention? Can I let myself go down multiple conspiracy theory paths, even if I believe them to be a very strong possibility to be true? And ultimately, for me, it's the worst thing I can do if I expect to ever get back in my personal rhythm and flow. The thing that's helped me, un- that's really helped me through all this is, is, and I'm starting to understand why so many people have challenges getting in the flow to begin with because their minds are full of possibly valid, but ultimately unproductive thoughts that can only lead to stagnation in their life and their business. You know, Dexter Yeager had it right. You know, with his quote, the facts don't count. The facts don't count. And we cover that in number 116 of this podcast. So even if it's valid, if if it's not productive in helping you move forward or me move forward, is it worth the thought, time, energy, and effort? And what I'm starting to see is that many people live their entire life feeling out of sync and out of rhythm. It's not that their wheel is out of balance. It's that they feel like their wheels have totally come off the car. Uh, they're going nowhere. They have no wheels. And they feel like they're stranded, locked in a car on a railroad track. Look, I have no doubt that many people have real fears of losing their Obamacare, losing their food stamps and their public housing, and others sincerely, sincerely, daily fear the police or have feelings of racial injustice when they see an Aunt Jemima bottle on the grocery store shelf. I'm not doubting the validity of any of that. But is the answer to reelect one of the suppressors because your identity that you relate with, your identity politics, Uh, Those that want to keep things stirred up, they expect you to. So for me, life, the answer is personal responsibility and self-education on all issues of our personal lives that matter. If it matters, 
then we should be self-educated. You know, and, and I've talked a lot about balanced living over the years. And, you know, just to focus on the key areas of life that matter and let everything else go. And that has really worked for me over the year, over the years. So me, me getting knocked off rhythm and out of a flow is probably a combination of a lot of things. Uh, at my core, I'm one of those people that feel a deep responsibility to help smooth the path and the road for other people. I mean, a level that's not normal, but it's in my DNA. I mean, I wish it wasn't, but that's just how I, that's how I operate. I can't operate any other way. And I know I got it from my mother. You know, my, my brother doesn't have it. My sister doesn't have it. I mean, nobody in my family has it. And I'm not talking about that they don't care and respect and love other people. They do. They're great citizens. They provide a lot of value. Uh, they're good people, really good people. But I'm talking about an extra, extra dose of this sense of responsibility to smooth the path and the road for other people. And the only people that I've ever met in my life that have it, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, some seem to, but, but, and understand, some of you listening understand exactly what I'm saying, but it's my mom and me, and it's too early to tell, but possibly my granddaughter Chapel has that. You know, I'm one of those people that don't really need a lot. You know, give me a reliable, reliable business partners that I can get in the foxhole with. Uh, a great family, a wonderful marriage, and some sunshine on my face, and I'm good to go. Uh, and as I say that, I realize how blessed anyone is who can say they have uh, business partners they can get in the foxhole with, a great family, a wonderful marriage, and sunshine on their face. I mean, that's a blessing. But none of those things are given to us. It requires an investment into people. It requires focus. A lot of focus and a lot of work. So the only thing worse, I guess, than getting knocked out of your rhythm and your in your flow of your business and life is probably never developing that rhythm to begin with, I guess. And then I think, is it really? Because if you never experienced it, you wouldn't know when you were missing it or when you didn't have it. Interesting. But you ask me, Dale, can, do you want to live in a life where you're focused and in a flow and being productive and focusing on the right things, the seven key areas in your life every single day? And you do that day in, day out, every day. Uh, and you, you're, you're moving towards where you're wanting to go and you're in that flow. Or do you want to be bound up with worrying about what somebody else might think if you try to do this or you do that or you do something else or, you know, you're, 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 you're spending all your time, energy and effort on things that you cannot control? Uh, or, or do you want to be spending on those that you can? Uh, I'll take being in a flow, being in a rhythm. And I realize that everyone in the world has been knocked off their axle a little bit in 2020. I mean, 2020 has been a, a very disruptive year for many, many people. However, until a couple of weeks ago, I can honestly say for me, 2020 has been one of the most focused, productive years of my life. It really has. It's been phenomenal. 
Um, and when I look back on it a few years from now, I believe and hope that I'm still going to feel the same way about it. That's my hope. But at this moment, I'm off the rails for the first time in many years. And I can't remember the last time I've been off the rails. And I know it. And, you know, the coronavirus personally for me and many others has been a blessing. I mean, I th- I think those that approached it with the right mindset from the beginning, we can all say that. I mean, we talked about that in detail in session 167 of this podcast that was titled The Opportunity the Coronavirus Offers All of Us. And I know a lot of people really, really have benefited from the coronavirus. And granted, there's many people around the world that didn't have the mindsets to handle such a disruption. And I I understand that and respect that. And, you know, how am I supposed to homeschool my kids and work? And I understand the challenges. But, you know, for me, it wasn't the coronavirus that, I mean, the coronavirus didn't knock me, you know, didn't, didn't have anything to do with my flow of business and life except help it. But what, for me, it was the madness and the hysteria and the depression in people that was created after the coronavirus. I mean, I really believe that it's been a manipulation of the masses. And I'll just say it. I do. I believe it's been a manipulation of the masses uh, because it of how quickly it became not a public health issue or world health issue, but how quickly in the United States and really around the world it became a political issue. And when you really stop and think about that, you know, it wasn't like swine flu or whatever, or it was a public health issue or any other, you know, breakout of a virus or a bug or whatever that we've had. It didn't, it wasn't like that. It became a political issue. It was something that I certainly never would have predicted. And some will say it was an orchestrated, it was orchestrated as a political issue. And, you know, I can't let myself go too far down that path, but I'm not saying I don't think being intentionally orchestrated as a political issue is not a real possibility. But regardless of the political party or person a person supports, most all academics will agree that if not for the coronavirus, Donald Trump would have been reelected. Why? Because people would have been, been forced to look at his track record. And, you know, the coronavirus it became the perfect fuel to divert people's minds from the documented track record and accomplishments of the president. I mean, and again, there's so many under three and a half years of being falsely accused and attacked over and over and over for things that were simply not true. I mean, if it's not 
obvious that the only go since the day he took office was to get him out of office. If that's not obvious to the masses, I don't know what is. Now, you can say, well, this is why or this is the reason. Well, whatever. Maybe so. Maybe so. But again, when you look at the track record, the track record, the numbers speak for themselves. Only a fool argues with facts. Only a fool argues with numbers. And the numbers are the numbers. If you want to talk about increased uh, employment with African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, and the list goes on and on and on of the accomplishments. And I talked a little bit about this last week's podcast. I did a whole article about it over at MLMHelp.com forward slash Trump 2020 if you want to Take a look at it. The facts are the facts. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, then you probably heard me talk about track record over and over and over. And why? Because for me, the thing that I have seen get more people, and especially entrepreneurs, off track, I mean way off track, more than anything else, is not paying enough attention to the real track record of those they're listening to. Whether we're talking about business or life or a, a, a personal coach in a gym or whatever, what's your track record? How many people have you honestly made an impact for? Are you just talking the talk? And, you know, especially in the world of entrepreneurs, because there's so many people out there, and, and, and now you're starting to see a backlash for all entrepreneurs. And it's not fair, but there's a new word that's hit the marketplace. You're going to hear it more and more, and the word is called conpreneurs. 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 Remember where you heard it, because you're going to hear more of it. And, you know, network marketing's full of conpreneurs. People that are trying to teach people how to do that, which they've never done. And people that have taught just ridiculous philosophies, ideas, systems that make no sense in the real world for real people. You know, and, and I keep, I hop bl- on blogging every time, but I could go on and on. There's so many. There's so many people that have just misdirected so somebody could earn an affiliate commission. It makes me sick. So when the news reports came out on the coronavirus, when think about it, when we first heard it, it's like they called it the deadly virus, this deadly virus. And they had everybody so stirred up in the United States and all over the world thinking if we get it, we're going to die. Didn't we? If we get this, we're going to die. It was just the, the hysteria that was created around it. It's unbelievable. And my fundamental belief for me personally, this is just very personal. But for me, it's like, Dale, when it's your time to go, you're going to go. And 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 I don't want to be stupid, and I don't want to take unnecessary risk. But it is what it is. So it it didn't affect me very str- strongly, but it it concerned me for my my kids and my family and my parents. But the facts, according to the World Health Organization, around the coronavirus. Most people get COVID-19, have a mild or moderate symptoms, have mild or moderate symptoms, and can recover. And that's according to the World Health Organization. They go on to say uh, the cases, the case fatality ratio 
of COVID-19 in the U.S. is 3.1%. The case fatality rate for influenza, the flu, will obviously change from year to year, but news reports in the World Health Organization estimate it's around 2.3%. While the medical community is still learning about mortality from COVID-19, it does appear it could be more deadly than the flu. Yeah, the flu 2.3, coronavirus, COVID-19, 3.1. Now, I don't take, I don't get a flu shot, okay? I never have. Because the only people I know that get the flu are the people that I know that get a flu shot every year. Okay? I don't wear a mask. You know, I, I, if if they say, sir, you have to have a mask to, to be in this facility, then I just turn around and walk out. I mean, right after all this happened, I flew from Atlanta to Texas in an airplane, and I didn't have a mask. I mean, I had one because Don made me take one, and I did have it around my neck, but I didn't. I, I just, look, I'm not worried about the flu, and I'm not worried about the coronavirus. And when, and, and it blows my mind when you look at the facts and the statistics, how many people were concerned. There was people beating up people in Home Depot because they didn't have a mask on. Are you kidding me? And again, I don't want to go down that road, but that's the facts. And when you look at the politics around it, you know, according to factcheck.org, uh, it says former President Joe Biden, our former Vice President Joe Biden was wrong when he said that the Trump administration made no effort to get U.S. medical experts into China as the corona epidemic spread there. And this is what Biden said. Uh, when we're talking, when, we're t- when we were talking early on this crisis, I said, among others, that, you know, you should get into China, get our experts there. We have the best in the world. Get them in so they know what's happening. Get them in so they know what's happening. Uh I'm trying to I've lost my I lost my quote here guys. Give me a second. Uh and this was said at a uh town hall according to CNN it was on a virtual town hall March 27th. And he said I told him to get in get them in to see what's happening and there was no effort to do that. That's what Biden said on the CNN town hall on March 27th. And that was the narrative that the American public heard throughout the election. But it wasn't true. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention tried to get into China just one week after China reported the outbreak to the World Health Organization on December 31, 2019. They tried to get in there one week after. On January 6, we offered to send CDC to China that could assist with these public health efforts, uh, said Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar on January 28th at a press conference. I reiterated that offer when I spoke to China's Minister of Health on Monday and was reiterated again via the World Health Organization. We were urging China to be more cooperative and transparent 
and that those were the most important steps that they could take to create a more effective response. A week after the press conference, February 7th, our longstanding offer to send world-class experts to China to assist remained on the table. At the time, the New York Times reported, normally teams from agencies, Epidemic Intelligence Service, can be in the air within 24 hours. I mean, all this is really documented on Fact Checker. Uh, And then right after all that, all the pundits were calling Trump a racist because he was not allowing Chinese people to enter the USA when he did the 14-day ban. And this is from Politico. Politico. The White House press office said Trump's claim is supported by a tweet Biden posted on February 1st, the day after Trump's administration announced travel restrictions on people who were in China 14 days prior to their attempt to re-enter the United States. And again, all the pundits, all the news media was said, Trump's racist. He doesn't want Chinese people in this country. <laughs> it's crazy. But Biden tweeted the day after Trump made the announcement, 14-day ban. Biden tweeted, direct tweet, we're in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria and fear-mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency. So the truth is that 14-day ban was not being racist or being a fear monger. It was his decision that ultimately saved lives. How many, I mean, we'll never know how many lives were saved because of that 14-day ban, yet... When he when he announced it, Biden's calling him racist, fear monger, blah blah blah. That's what really happened. But so how did the coronavirus become Trump's fault in the national news media? So you know when I sit back and I look at coronavirus and all this other stuff, there was only one person in this election that has a documented track record of being racist. And it wasn't Donald Trump. However, when you see, you know, people dancing in the streets, holding up Biden signs in one hand and Black Lives Matter signs in the other hand, it's just really an indication of how good of a snow job the media and politicians have done on them. I I mean, in my mind, I see that and it's just it's just a sign of ignorance. I mean, it really is. Biden hand, Biden signing one hand, Black Lives Matter in the other. I don't understand. And then you've got all the governors of Democratic states allowing rioting in the streets and then referring to the rioters as peaceful protesters and, you know, allowing national monuments to be torn down and business owners to have their businesses looted in Democratic states all over the USA, it just kind of blows my mind. I mean, which political candidate do you think these people, these rioters, were supporting? And the real question, the real question is why? Why? I mean, destroying public property paid by tax dollars 
and propagating ideas like defunding the police will never create change, just for the sake of change. Or the fact that a person is not willing to become self-educated in a free enterprise economy. So therefore, they expect everything to be given to them and handed to them. You know, uh, I really thought that people would be able to look past their identity politics and the manipulation that the media of the masses from the media. Uh, I, I really thought that they would know the difference between riots and peaceful protest. I figured everybody knows that, don't they? Uh, and some of you feel that my opinions may be manipulated or, or too strong one way or the other. And, and no, 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 no problem. I mean, I respect that. I sincerely do. Uh, you know, I, that's fine. I mean, I, I really sincerely try to observe myself and look at the facts, what's documented and look at the track records. And I tell you, I'm not against peaceful protests or even riots. I mean, I, I believe there's time and place for riots uh, in Berlin. I mean, the wall needed to come down in Hungary years ago or any place in the world where there's been a history of communism, lack of freedom, and socialistic rule, socialist rule. So... I believe in, in all that, but not in America, not today, not based upon the track record of Donald Trump and, and the, and the track record of the United States. I mean, it's the greatest free enterprise country the world has ever known. And I'm proud to be an American. And, and I know it's not perfect. I mean, George Floyd, that, that tragedy is proof of that, but George Floyd, had nothing to do with the United States. It had nothing to do with the police departments around the United States. And it had everything to do with a warped individual. That was an individual situation. I mean, are there bad police? Yes. Are most of them servants and want to serve the public and, and do their job and do it well? Absolutely. I mean, we don't have Nazi policemen running around the United States. I mean, we don't. We don't. And again, I'm not saying the police officers have been perfect in any way, shape, or form. We've all had run-ins. Well, at least I have. A lot of us have. And and they aren't perfect. They're human beings. But do do we really want to live? I want my grandkids to live in a world that does not have police. Are you crazy? I mean, it makes no sense to anybody with common sense. You know, we we have freedom and we have the opportunity to rise up and be an example and gain respect and dignity and the opportunity to participate in the free enterprise system if we live in the United States of America. If a person or an individual was raised in such a horrific environment that they don't have the confidence or the mentors or the motivation to take advantage of what the United States of America offers, then that's an entirely different issue. 
And that is the root of the problem. It's not the police officers. So again, the issue, if someone does not have the opportunity to become self-educated, create the confidence, if they don't have access to the mentors or the motivation to take advantage of what the United States of America offers, then that's an entirely different issue. And really, it kind of always seems to come down to inspire greatness or cater to mediocrity. So, as long as we blame others, we can never move forward. And that's the only message, the only message I want my grandkids to hear. Take responsibility. Rise above it. Get through it. Because as long as we blame others... For our circumstances, we can never move forward, period. And there's no country in the world that offers more opportunity than the United States of America. And after all this and the election, I mean, honestly, I just feel like I've lost my faith in humanity. That's the best way I know to explain it. Uh, And it was thin probably anyway. But, you know, I see the world as a bunch of 12-year-old kids with nev- negative program perceptions who feel bad about themselves, who who have poor self-images, a uh, bunch of 12-year-old spoiled brats wanting handouts with negative program perceptions who are just looking for a bully to blame. The, the guy that you know, kept kept knocking them out of the dodgeball ball game in PE class at school. Uh, you know, when when I look at professors in class, I think of the nerdy little kid in the dodgeball game, the skinny dude with glasses that would be the first one to go out. And again, I'm talking about professors, all all backgrounds, all walks of life, all people bunch of 12-year-old kids with negative program per- negative program perceptions who are looking for a bully to blame and that bully became Donald Trump and those who can't compete in the free enterprise system they don't want anybody to have the right and want everybody to be equal we need to you know we need to do a robin hood take from the rich and give to the poor and we all know, we've all seen the studies, you can take all the wealth in the world, divide it equally, and within a few years, a few decades, it'd be back into the hands of the people that you took it from to begin with. Why? Because of the motivation, the education, the responsibility they would take with what they were given. Those who can't compete in the free enterprise system don't want anybody else to have anything. We are all created equal, and we all face unfair judgment and circumstances in our life. But if others have risen up, you can too, and that should be the message of America. Not Donald Trump is a racist, and he's the one keeping you down and taking your jobs and and keeping you from getting your third Obama phone. That's not how the real world works. Socialism and Marxism will never 
remove a poor self-image or a horrible start in life. Socialism and Marxism, communism, is not going to remove a horrible start in life or a poor self-image. Removing the Aunt Jemima bottles from the grocery store is not the answer. You know, I threw up a little bit in my mouth when Biden, during his election or his acceptance or whatever he did, his speech that I'm now president, you know, and he kept going on and on about racial equality uh, during his acceptance speech. And I just wanted to scream, why didn't people do their homework? Why didn't people do their homework? It just, it, it, it's just, it's just unbelievable to me. Into Biden and the issue of race relations, 40 years of failure. We begin, let's start in 1973 during his speech. Then Senator Joe Biden, he praised Southern Democrats and he said that the two-party system in the South was, quote, good for bleep, I can't say it. Around the same time, Biden was actively working with desegregationists in their order to slow integration. He opposed school busing. According to NBC News, quote, he led the charge on an issue that kept black students away from the classrooms of white students. 1977, Biden worried that his children would grow up in a, quote, racial, his words, jungle, if integration is not done in a, quote, orderly way, whatever that means. And in 1993, he referred to inner city youth as, quote, predators on our streets. And he co-authored a very aggressive crime bill. Well, that ramped up prison sentences for dozens of crimes. We've got the video evidence, the videotape. Let's go to it. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask, what made them do this? They must be taken off the street. We should focus on them now, not out of a liberal instinct for love, brother, and humanity, although I think that's a good instinct, but for simple, pragmatic reasons. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets. Let's continue. When the crime bill became law, Biden was so proud of his accomplishment, he bragged, quote, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party is now for 60 new death penalties, 70 enhanced penalties, 100,000 new cops, 125,000 new state prison cells. This is the same guy that pretended to be a civil rights leader for years. After all, in 1987, we lied about marching in the civil rights protests. More recently, he lied about getting arrested by the apartheid South African government while on his way to see Nelson Mandela. A few weeks ago, he lied about his many political endorsements from the NAACP. Uh, they don't endorse, they never endorsed him. And by the way, what did he do to fix systemic racism? Okay, it was under... Barack and Joe's watch, Ferguson happened, Baltimore happened, Cambridge police happened, Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman happened. That was when he was vice president. So what did he do to fix the systematic racism in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s? In other words, does that sound, does this what we're about to play you sound like a man who's particularly worried about racism to you? You decide. Take a look. The largest growth of population is Indian Americans moving from 
chance with a northeastern liberal like Joe Biden stand uh, in the South. Better than anybody else. Man, you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. We got the first sort of I could go on and on. I won't. Uh, my personal opinion is he will not make it four years. He will not make it four years. And you say, well, no, that's conspiracy theory stuff. Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But again, it how the United States of America, how logically thinking, common sense people could not do enough homework or, or, and just follow the masses, the sheep, how this guy got elected, I will never know. But I do know that until people are taught to take responsibility for their own individual actions and not blame others, they can never become respectable, responsible, productive members of society and I don't care what their skin color is I don't care if we're talking I mean I'm talking about trailer trash white trailer trash I'm talking about all of us all of us as long as we blame other people we can never never move forward success starts with personal responsibility you know as Dr. Martin Luther King was trying to say say in his great speech, you know, I have a dream. We're all responsible for our own character. And character is doing what you said you would do after the feeling in which you said it in has left you. That's a pretty strong, pretty strong definition of character. And 
that's all any of us can control is character and track record and character and track record. And that's what, you know, we were talking about last week. I mean, if people had had looked at the track records of the two candidates, to me, the decision was clear. I don't care what political party they're involved with or are associated with. Or which are the candidates are associated with character and track record is the only fair way to judge any human being. And that starts that starts with our own self-awareness. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. that One day. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. We'll put Dr. Martin Luther King's awesome speech, I Have a Dream. We'll put that in the show notes. You know, for me, um, again, it just is what it is. I'm desperate right now to kind of get back to my emotional flow of business and life and back into a rhythm. You know, I made the decision to let a lot of projects go when we launched APL Go back in August. And, you know, just poured it on in August and September. And I was in a definite uh, need to of a vacation after that and actually booked a, a trip to the beach. I needed to get away, refocus, replan, because the plans that we had for the last quarter were disrupted. Need to re- rework those based upon all of our other businesses and, and just needed to get away and had planned on doing that. Um, already had our trip book, uh, right before, uh, we were supposed to leave right before the, the death of, of my father-in-law, uh, which was extremely emotional. And then of course the selection, which just kind of really knocked me for a loop. So, and I understand there's many people that, you know, the election's election. It doesn't affect people one way or the other. And I get that because I've been that way most of my life, really. But this one was different for many different reasons because I really felt like the United States was on such a, a great track of growth and prosperity and, and people doing well and the economy doing phenomenal. And I just, and a lot of the, uh, ridiculous, uh, policies, and agreements that we had with other countries were straightened out uh, with China and so on and so forth. And I thought, man, if, if we can have four more years like this, we can get so far down the road that it's going to make a positive impact on a lot of different families, uh, not just in the United States, but all over the world. So it kind of really knocked me for a loop because I had such high expectations 
And I know there's other of you that listen to this podcast, many of you who feel really out of step, really out of step, out of sync, out of rhythm. How do you, how do we get back in a productive rhythm? How do we get back in a productive rhythm? And I think the most important thing that we all have to do is just give ourselves a little bit of time. Uh, at the time of this recording, of course, the holidays are coming. We, we have already have plans. Have all Dawn's family here for Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to enjoy that time together. Uh, Christmas is always a great time of the year. I enjoy Thanksgiving as much as any holiday. So we're at a t- we're at a time in business and in life where we can afford to give ourselves time. Now, I still want to get into a productive rhythm, but I usually take off in December pretty much anyway and have for years. So the main thing I think you can think about doing and what I'm going to do is just give myself some time. I'm not going to push myself. Uh, I think live in the spirit of thankfulness every day. I mean, no matter how bad it is in the United States, there's no other country I would ever that I'd want to be in, maybe other than well, I could think of a couple possibly, but I don't I don't want to be in another country because I don't want to be away from my family. Uh, and then just control what we can control. Run when we can run. Sometimes we can't run. Sometimes life happens. Control what we can control. And if you can run, run. And, and then what we can't control, just give it over to God. That's all I know to do. And what about those of you that have never been in a sustained, consistent emotion, emotional flow with your business, who've never found your rhythm? What is the emotional flow of business and life? How do you create that rhythm? How do you create your rhythm? And I would tell every one of you involved in network marketing, there's probably a time when you were in a rhythm, maybe been for a few days, maybe for a week, maybe for a month or two, but there was a time when you probably after an event, you came out of that event, you got into action, you didn't care what somebody else would think, and you went through the numbers and you started progressing and moving forward. And then you lost the, you lost the rhythm. You lost the momentum. And, and see, I did that my first five years in this business constantly, three or four times a year. I would go to an event in a neighboring city, uh, state, go to a weekend event, get focused, get fired up and get into a routine and a rhythm and run for two or three weeks. And then I'd lose my energy, lose my focus. Then I would go to another event, you know, a couple months later, and I repeated this yo-yo effect up and down, down and up many times. I did a whole podcast, I, I think, called the yo-yo effect. But here's what I want you to really understand. If you've ever been in a consistent rhythm, even if it's just for a few days, that you can and you do have the ability to get in that rhythm and stay in that rhythm, it can be done. I learned how to do it, and that's the way I operate. So for me to be knocked out of that, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I've been knocked out of it. I really can't because it's been years and years and years where I've been in the consistent rhythm. But, you know, the, we took a lot of energy, a lot of emotion for two months when we launched APL Go. Again, the death of my father-in-law, this election, it's just, it, it was unexpected, but it is what it is. So I'm, I'm not happy to be here, but I'm glad to be here because it helps me kind of understand better maybe where a lot of people are, especially those who that have never gotten into a rhythm, never gotten into that flow. That's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. It really is. 
It's where the magic happens. So I'm going to share with you real quickly, and we're going to end up, the th- well, I call it the three C's, the three sequential C's. And I want to, sh- before we get into the three sequential C's, this is a real important concept. I've never said it before, but it's really important. But I think caring about the results, caring about the results that you're receiving when you're doing the activities and caring about the results is almost as detrimental to success as caring about what other people think. And I want to say that again. Caring about the results that you're getting is almost as detrimental to people's success as caring about what other people think. Activity creates courage and activity fear. And what you get excited about is your ability to make yourself do what needs to be done. Because when you start caring too much about the results, it's as detrimental to your success in network marketing as caring about what somebody else thinks. The three C's, commitment. Most people have a real problem getting committed, and that's because they don't have the right company at the right time in history. I call it the four stars lining up. You know, I did a webinar on this or a video. I don't know if I ever did a podcast but it's called uh, the number one opportunity in network marketing for 2021. And I talk about the stars lining up and if we find the link. We'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. But if you have the right company, the right time in the history, right comp plan, right management, corporate leadership, product based upon science, uh, the right culture, team culture, company culture, all those stars line up, then you, you, have got to make the commitment. And I understand if you if you have a company that you're uncertain of, leadership with, that doesn't have a really good track record uh, or uplines that don't have a good track record, I understand when, when it's that it's hard to make a commitment sometimes. But I ask people, and I've always said, look, if you can't give it a year, then don't give it a, a, a day. If you can't give your if you can't commit, like I'm going to go after this, I'm going to do the very best I can. I'm going to apply myself for one year. If you can't give it one year, then don't give it a day. Don't give it one day. Commit for a year and don't don't look at the results. Go do the best you can for one year and then stop if you need to and look back. But go forward for one year. Can you make that commitment to yourself? Can you make that type of commitment to yourself? Because if you can't, then you need to look for another company. And I really believe that. So commitment, that's the first C. The second is courage. If once you, you cannot create courage until you've, until you've made a commitment. Courage comes, our commitment comes before courage. And once you, you make a commitment, then you can create the courage and the courage activity creates, courage creates activity, activity creates courage and activity fear. Once you once you have courage, then you will do the activities that will help you even build that courage further. And courage ultimately leads to confidence, because if you do the activities, enough activities, long enough, consistent enough, consistent activity will bring. Consistent activity doesn't always bring consistent results, but it always brings success. And what will happen is you go from a commitment stage to courage to confidence. And once you have confidence in your ability to Add three to five new team members slash customers a month to your team and you can control your financial destiny. And then you start getting a real vision 
for the life and the lifestyle that your opportunity can provide for you. So those are the three C's. If you've never broken out, again, is it worse to break out and then get derailed or to have never broken out? And I think it's it's worse to have never broken out. So that's my hope for you. I hope there's been something that I've said that, again, you say, Dale, I don't know why you're so why you care about this election so much. That's fine. I understand that. Uh, everybody's different. Again, we see things through our own eyes. And there's different things that that have knocked people off track. And and the and the thing is you gotta get on track, stay on track, and 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 when you do get knocked off track, get back on. And I promise you if you'll do that consistently over time, you will figure out how to get on the track and stay on the track. And you can be on the track for 10, 20 years. I never thought I would ever be off the track again the rest of my life. But again, I what I got blindsided. I wasn't guarding myself because I hadn't guarded myself in years. I used to guard myself years ago because I understood the pattern, going to event, getting fired up, going to work, losing momentum, going to event, getting fired up, losing momentum. I mean, I did that every quarter for years, my first five years in this profession. But back then we had an event we could get to every quarter, every month, every other month. There was a lot of events going on because I was with the 25-year-old company, Shackley Corporation at the time, and had events going on within driving distance of me almost every almost every month, but surely every 90 days. And I can remember distinctly thinking many times, I got to get to an event. And again, so you can get into a rhythm and stay in a rhythm. And I that's my hope for you, no matter where you are. Uh, I will be back in a rhythm. I know I will. I will. I can feel it. I feel better just from being able to communicate some of this through this podcast. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I will be back in a rhythm soon. And I hope that those of you that need to get back in your rhythm, that you will as well. And if you've never been in a rhythm, then I hope my hope is that you learn how to get yourself motivated, get yourself focused. Get yourself inspired. Learn how to inspire yourself. And you're going to do that through your reasons and your commitment. And your commitment will create the courage. The courage creates the activities. And consistent activities over time produce a confidence. That's the three C's. That's the three sequential C's. Commitment, courage, confidence. I hope I've said something in this podcast that will create thought and create inspiration and give you whatever you needed this week. I hope you got value from this. I sincerely thank you for allowing me to use this podcast this week as my own self-therapy. This is Dale Calvert. I'll talk to you next week on another session of the MLMSuccess.com podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, 
or answers to your questions.